Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put in their Lululemons and take a yoga class while drinking a green juice. If you experience any of these symptoms, text your priest immediately. All right, welcome Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining me. I'm Allison Melody. What is vitamin L and why is it important? What are cover crops and what do we need to know about them? How can we grow wheatgrass, sprouts, microgreens, and more at home? My guest, Parker Garlitz, answers these questions and more on today's episode of Food Heals. Parker is one of the co-founders of the independent non-GMO seed company, True Leaf Market. You've heard me talk about it. I'm having a blast shopping there almost on a daily basis. Just keep adding stuff to my cart. If you want to shop there too, head on over to trueleafmarket.com. Use the discount code FOODHEALS10 and you'll save $10 off your order of $50 or more. All right, next up, my interview with Parker. Roll it, Roxy. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. He is one of the co-founders of the independent non-GMO seed company, True Leaf Market. Please welcome Parker Garlitz to the show. Welcome, Parker. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. Yes, I'm so glad to have you today. And so I would love to learn more about True Leaf Market. So take me back. What's the founder story? What's the what's the story behind the brand that got True, True Leaf Market started? Yeah, you bet. So it, True Leaf Market is actually kind of a kind of a long series of um, of startup companies that that ended up together in a variety of different uh, combinations. Uh, dating all the way back, well, now all the way back, believe it or not, to the to the uh, uh, to 1917, uh, but and that's based on a on a company that we acquired about two years ago called Kitazawa oh, okay. Seed Company. They they were founded in 1917 in the uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and wow. they're they're now one of the brands that that we're shepherding and and taking care of. So, but aside from that, basically the the there's really two side, two ways to tell this story and two, two different kind of companies that came together in, in uh, 2014. My, my sister, Catlin and I started a company in the year 2000 that was dedicated to uh, living foods. And the name of that company was Living Whole Foods. And mm-hmm. we were doing wheatgrass and sprouts. And then later on, a little bit of microgreens as well. Uh, and helping people grow their own living live food. So we started that in 2000 in my garage when my sister Catlin was 18 years old, and we did it mostly as a way for her to kind of pay her way through college and ended up growing a lot bigger than we ever thought that it would. And then in Mm -hmm. 2000, uh, let's see, 2014, when my sister, who was helping me run the business, um, was, uh, I think she was pregnant with her fourth child. It became a little bit of a strain. So we decided, well, we'll, we'll see if we can make another arrangement. And there was a company in Salt Lake city called mountain Valley seed company. They, they were established by a guy named Demetrius Agathangelides. He was Mm -hmm. a a Greek immigrant and a, uh, an agricultural scientist. And he founded mountain Valley seed company in his kitchen in in 1974 
And mm-hmm. so uh, when he retired, he sold it to uh, my current two partners, Rob and Lance. And um, they bought that company and we were one of their customers at, at Living Whole Foods. We bought some seeds from Mountain Valley and mm-hmm. it just seemed like a really good fit. So we merged and joined forces in 2014. And uh, since then, we've acquired a handful of, of other companies, including Handy Pantry, which dates back also coincidentally to 1974. It's a sprouting company and mm-hmm. a sustainable seed company and Kitazawa and several others. So now we're a full service seed company from everything from mainstream, you know, home and garden seed uh, all the way to, you know, specialty seed like sprouting, like microgreens, like, uh, you know, indoor indoor herb gardening, flowers, plants, all that kind of thing. So that's, that's kind of, kind of the story. So while, you know, True Leaf as a brand name has only been around since 2014, the components, and I, we like to say our roots go back way, way further than that, you know, now close to 50 years. Wow. Well, that's really cool. And I think most good companies always start in a garage. So I love a good garage starting founder story. <laughs> Indeed. I know it's a non-GMO seed company, but I would love if you could take me back. Like, what is the problem that we face with GMOs and why is it so important to plant GMO-free seeds? Well, the the, the GMO thing gets a little bit uh, kind of politically charged, uh, depending on, on who you are. So, you know, we we don't really take a super hard stance one way or another, other than we just don't offer any GMO uh, seeds. We're, we're 100% non-GMO. If the GMO seed companies want to do what they do, that's, that's great. But we, we don't carry or offer any of any GMO products at all, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's great. I think it's very important. Um, I'm as organic and natural and GMO free as I can be. So that's one of my core values. So I really appreciate that. So um, you talk about growing cover crops and you guys say that growing cover crops is hands down the most affordable and naturally sustainable way to revitalize a garden, your garden soil for the coming growing season. So tell us what is a cover crop and how does it work? Yeah, so cover, cover crops is, a, is an idea that dates back thousands of years in, in the earliest uh-huh. human agriculture. The idea okay. is that, you know, when you're growing crops, whether it's your home garden or whether it's farming, um, the, the crop that you grow is going to deplete the soil to some degree. And, you know, one of the innovations that we have in the modern era is, is NPK-based fertilizer, which, which, you know, replenishes the soil. Um, and there's pros and cons to that. Um, but what a cover crop does is naturally replenishes the soil. So a cover crop, for example, is, uh, oh, let's say, let's say something like, uh, like uh, a legume, like hairy vetch, right? Mm-hmm. That, uh, that hairy vetch, if you grow it in the off season, right? Like you harvest your garden in the, in the fall and then plant cover crop seeds and let them grow. And then they, they winter kill. And then come next spring, you can either till that biomass under and till it into the soil, or you can let it rest on top and do kind of a no-till method. And that the, the dead crop laying on top of the soil is acts kind of like a mulch that does a little insulation. It, it uh, helps preserve moisture in the soil. It prevents erosion. It does all kinds of, of neat things and 
keep in mind if you're wondering, well, where's the biomass? How do you get the biomass in the soil? You know, we're, we're used to seeing everything that grows above the, the soil line. What you don't mm-hmm. see below the soil line is this massive root system. And in, a, in, in some types of cover crops, they pull nitrogen out of the soil and they create little nodules of nitrogen on the roots. And that's, that's done kind of in symbiosis with the bacteria. And we, mm-hmm. we provide pre-inoculated uh, cover crop seeds. And we, we also have inoculant available too, to, you know, just add a little bit of this powder to the seeds before you plant them. And it's the right type of bacteria that'll create these nitrogen nodules and it will enrich the soil with nitrogen and other nutrients. Right. So different mm-hmm. cover crops do different things, but the, the reason we say it's the biggest bang for your buck in, in soil revitalization is, you know, you can plant your entire garden after you harvest it in the fall, or you can also do it in the early, early spring um, for a couple of bucks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, That's eight, awesome. five, eight, ten dollars worth of seed. You can plant a cover crop, and uh, some folks call it green manure, right? It revitalizes mm-hmm. the soil. It puts nitrogen back into the into the soil. In a lot of cases, it breaks up, uh, you know, clay soil and makes it a lot more, uh, you know, loamy and friendly to grow. Uh, Cover crops with deep tap roots like mustards can pull nutrients from very far down below, uh, you know, trace minerals and that kind of thing. It's, it's, a, it's a neat practice. It's been around for, like I say, thousands of years. It's just that home gardeners haven't traditionally done a whole lot of it, but it's becoming vastly more popular as a strategy for home gardeners. You can even do it in containers, right? If you're growing containers of tomatoes or whatever on your, on your porch or patio. You can plant cover crops in those containers and revitalize the soil in containers. It's kind of kind of a neat idea. Yeah, that's amazing. And like I said earlier, I want everything as organic and natural as possible and not using chemicals to do all of these things. And so that's one thing that I really appreciate about your brand and about what you guys do. And I know that you're very much into a vitamin L. And that's not one that we've talked about on Food Heals. So can you tell me what vitamin L is and what it means in this context? Yeah. So that's that's our that's our little uh that's our little terminology, right, for the life force of living food. Now my mm-hmm. my sister Catlin, when we started uh, when we started Living Whole Foods, uh, I guess it was what twenty three years ago now. My sister Catlin is a committed vegan. I'm I'm mm-hmm. not personally, but she she's a very committed vegan, and she tries as hard as she can to incorporate live foods, not just raw foods, but live foods into her diet. And it makes a hundred percent sense to me. And then while I eat a slightly different diet than, than she does, I do believe that this is a real thing. And I try as hard as I can to incorporate as much living food in my diet as I can. So, you know, while I'll, I'll, I'll eat a hamburger from time to time, I also try to eat sprouts. I try to eat microgreens. I, you know, my wife is an avid gardener and we eat fresh picked right off of the, right off of the vine in, in, in the harvest season. But the, the idea of a living food, right, is, Mm -hmm. is not just fresh vegetables, but vegetables that are ultra fresh, right? So if you think about it, if you go down to the grocery store and, you know, buy a tomato or an onion or, you know, celery or whatever vegetable it is the question is how long has that 
vegetable been harvested? Well, it's certainly been days. It's probably been weeks. And depending on the circumstance, it might be many weeks from the time that that fruit or vegetable was harvested before it gets to your grocery store. You buy it and consume it. Right. So I've, I have to wonder how much of the living enzymes are no longer functional in that, right? And of course, right. you can taste the difference between a store-bought tomato and a tomato you've grown in your garden, you picked taken inside, turned into a salad and eaten right away, right? Absolutely, the taste, yes. The taste difference is, they're not even the same league together. Well, yeah. I personally, right, I, I would imagine that the living force of that tomato is also super vital, and that's one of the reasons it tastes so great. Well, the challenge with a living food diet, right, eating stuff that is literally alive while you eat it, is you really only get to do that if you're a gardener and, and it's harvest season. That's only maybe, what, two to three months out of the year that you have an opportunity mm -hmm. to eat living food. So we've always been big proponents of sprouts, microgreens, and wheatgrass as mm -hmm. a great way to incorporate some living food into your diet every day. And so vitamin L stands for life. It's the life force of the food. If you really think yeah. about what an average American eats, it's a lot of stuff that's not alive and probably hasn't been alive for a long time. And adding some of that into your diet has got to be a good idea, I would think. I would think so too. Maybe I should change the name of the podcast, not from food heals to live food heals or living food heals, because that's really what I mean by the title of this show, because some food kills, right? A Indeed. lot of processed junk food and you know all of that food kills. So maybe I'll have to change my show name. So, well, like your sister, I am also a committed vegan. So we'll have to chat sometime, but tell me more about, okay, how do we grow the living foods ourselves and how does True Leaf Market help us do that? Like, tell me about the sprouting, the microgreens, the wheatgrass juice and all of that. Yeah. So, so in, in our family, right, I'm kind of the indoor gardener. My wife is our outdoor gardener. I, now I get oh, recruited perfect. into I, I get recruited into a lot of labor and, and a lot mm -hmm. of help uh, out in the garden, sure. which I'm glad to do. But typically, I'm the one that's growing sprouts or I'm the one that's growing microgreens. And, and let's, let's define what these are. I'll circle back to wheatgrass in just a minute. But the, okay. the idea of, of sprouts and microgreens are simply vegetables you already know and are familiar with. Let's take broccoli as an example right? Okay. If you plant broccoli in the garden and grow it to a mature vegetable, harvest the broccoli, everybody knows, knows what broccoli looks like and what broccoli tastes like, right? Yes. But if you take those same broccoli seeds and you soak them and give them a, a rinse and, uh, and, and add some water to them to keep them nice and moist and mm -hmm. rinse them a couple of times a day, and maybe with maybe in a in a mason jar with a strainer lid or maybe a a stackable tray type sprouter you can grow your own sprouts at home in 2 or 3 days and they're amazing they're delicious they're easy to grow and mm -hmm. they are super nutritious and they're teeming with quote unquote vitamin L right you, yes, you don't yes. often get to eat stuff that's a lot as alive 
as sprouts are when you consume them. So that's that's what a sprout is. Now a microgreen, so a sprout, broccoli seed or an alfalfa seed that you harvest in typically two to three to four days, right? Mm-hmm. But if you plant that seed like in a tray of, of uh, let's say coconut coir or a, uh, a tray of potting soil or a tray of uh, that has a, a hydroponic grow pad in it, and germinate those seeds in the tray and let them grow up for 10 to 12 days mm-hmm. long before they're mature. They're still just a stalk with little the little two baby leaves on them, right? Those leaves mm-hmm. technically are called cotyledons, right? They're, they're not the true leaf that will emit, uh, eventually emerge, right? And that's where we get our name of our company is True Leaf Market. The true leaf is... Mm-hmm. After those initial little baby leaves emerge, then then the real true leaves emerge. Well, when those baby leaves are still there, then that's a microgreen, right? So it's mm-hmm. grown up a little bit more than the, the sprout. Well, you harvest those and eat those in a salad or put them on a sandwich or, you know, all kinds of ways to enjoy microgreens. And it's the same basic idea. It's letting that plant grow up, grow up a little bit more than a sprout and... You can consume those. And what do they taste like? Well, in most cases, the microgreen tastes just like the vegetable tastes, but sometimes maybe a little more intense, right? Like cilantro, for example. Everybody knows knows what cilantro tastes like. If you're a fan of cilantro, micro cilantro is like cilantro times five. It's really super cilantro-y, if that made sense. Mm. Or micro basil. Right. If you've ever, you know, made a pesto out of basil, try making a pesto out of micro basil and you get a much more intense basil hit, if that kind of mm, makes sense. Okay. So that's yeah. that's kind of the idea of what a what a sprout and a microgreen is. Right. Wheatgrass is simply just wheat that you grow into a, a grass. Wheat is a grass. You grow it till mm-hmm. it's, you know, five, six, seven, eight, eight inches high. Harvest that and juice it in a masticating mm-hmm. juicer. And then you've got a, you know, a one or two ounce shot of pure liquid chlorophyll teeming with vitamin L, right? Now, yes. you know, it, wheatgrass tastes pretty much like you think it's going to taste, right? It, it's, yeah, it nobody's, sure does. <laughs> nobody's drinking it because of how delicious it is, but it is, it is very, very alive. And so you're, you're drinking living enzymes of, of, you know, something that you don't, you don't get that much life all at once. So while I'm not a huge fan of, of wheatgrass juice, I've, I've drinking enough of it in my life to almost turn green, but I, I my personal preference is, you know, sprouts and microgreens versus growing, you know, a shot of wheatgrass in the morning kind of a thing. It's so funny because I don't take it that often either anymore. But when I first got started on this health journey, wheatgrass was my in. Like I learned about wheatgrass and I would go to the juice bar and I thought I was the healthiest person on earth because I went from eating the standard American diet to adding wheatgrass and then slowly doing other things. They're like, oh yeah, my health improved because it was such, such a shock to the system based on what I had been eating previously. So it was one of my first like things that I discovered on this health and wellness, holistic healing journey on myself. So I feel like wheatgrass was the OG of the food heals like discovery. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> you know, and we've been, we've been in the wheatgrass business. We are, our first product was a wheatgrass growing kit, which we still sell, 
right? We still yeah, have wheatgrass growing kits. Yeah. yeah, we have sprout growing kits. We have microgreen starter kits. Everything you need to grow and juice your own wheatgrass, grow your own sprouts, grow your own microgreens, microgreens right on your kitchen countertop. And with respect to sprouts and microgreens, it's kind of a fun hobby, right? And growing wheatgrass yeah. isn't isn't terrible too. And and if you have pets, you know, cats and dogs go bonkers for wheatgrass because especially if they're they're indoor pets and they don't get out a lot. You, you know, you've yeah. seen dogs and cats eat grass. They love wheatgrass, love it. So that's kind of a neat thing too. And it's fun to grow. And the neat thing about it is you can do it all year long, which is, you know, it's a beautiful thing. I'm literally on the website right now looking at the mini pet grass kit. It's like so affordable. It looks awesome and looks like, so you could put this like in an apartment windowsill or could I also uh, plant it in my garden and my house? Absolutely. The, the the trick with wheatgrass is it grows really, really fast, right? So from okay. the time that you plant those wheatgrass seeds, you've got, you know, six, seven, eight, nine days before it kind of grows out of control. So putting in your garden, you're, you're, you're going to want to probably terminate that, uproot it or plow it under or whatever periodically. You can certainly grow it in your garden and there's no reason you couldn't grow wheat, right? If you let it go to seed, mm-hmm. it's wheat right? Okay. But usually wheatgrass is more commonly grown in trays because it's a little more controllable, right? Whether it's the tiny little tray for the the cats and dogs or, you know, a larger tray if you're going to juice it. Well, Lily loves her grass. So this is exciting for me. I'm all about it. And um, actually, I have another question about the wheatgrass. You said earlier um, to use a masticating juicer. And why is that versus a centrifugal juicer? And I'm just curious because I have both and people always go, which is better? And I'm like, well, they're good for different purposes, but you don't have to be a psycho and have both like me. But why is it masticating versus centrifugal for the wheatgrass? Well, it's it's crushing and squeezing the the juice out of the grass. The, the Most of the centrifugal juicers are are shredding it. And mm-hmm. wheatgrass is so fibrous that you end up not getting nearly as much juice out of it. it it's, not, it's not that you couldn't use that type of juicer, but it's just a, it's just a straight efficiency thing, right? You're, you're going to get way more juice out of a masticating juicer for wheatgrass. Now, that's not true of other fruits and vegetables, but it is true of wheatgrass. Right. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Okay. Let's go to some of the kits. So I'm on the website. You've got the growing kits, like your microgreens, your sprouting kits. What are some of your favorites that you and your wife are like, this is my favorite. I love this one so much. Like, Give us some of your best of. (laughs) You bet. So my all-time favorite microgreen is sunflower. So we sell black Mm. oil sunflower is the variety. And the cool thing about sunflower is the microgreens are big, they're crunchy, they're substantial, and they're, they have a nutty, almost kind of a sunflower seed flavor. They're just Yum. phenomenal. They're delicious. Everything I like else. sunflower seed milk. It's really good. Oh, I've never tried that. I've made, I've oh, made, I've made hemp milk. I've made oat milk. I've made a whole bunch. But I've oh, never cool, made yeah. sunflower seed milk. I'll have to give that a try. Yeah, neat. So yeah, the the upshot of it is sunflower is my my number one, and then I do like the micro herbs. Uh, you know, but like a lot of herbs, you know, you're, you're not going to sit down and eat a massive plate of micro basil, right? It's just too much flavor. Same for cilantro. Uh-huh. But those are those are great. The really popular ones for us are the are from the brassica family. That's Broccoli, cauliflower, um, mustards, um, cabbages, right? All of all of those guys. Kale, 
is in that family. Those are our most popular uh, microgreens outside of sunflower. And they all have maybe slightly different taste profiles. Some of them are popular because of, uh, because of coloration, right? So like, for example, we sell a lot of purple stem kohlrabi, uh, purple Vienna kohlrabi, which is also a brassica. And from a taste point of view, doesn't taste a whole lot different than other microgreens uh, in the brassica line, but it's got a beautiful purple stem. And so it's popular that way. We sell a lot of microgreens for beets, very popular. And then one of the most popular is peas. You can plant peas and they grow up into a shoot. They're more commonly called pea shoots than pea microgreens. So pea shoots are super sweet and very, very tasty. And they're also very substantial. So yeah, those are some of the more popular microgreens in terms of sprouts. um, My personal favorite, we've got a, a mix called crunchy lentil. And it's Mm. three different varieties of lentil, and they're just delicious. Our bean salad mix, which has lentil, it has adzuki, it has mung, and it has radish for a little bit of kick, uh, also very popular. And we've got a five-part sprouting mix that has alfalfa, has broccoli, has mung, has lentil, and uh, I think, did I say radish? Broccoli, alfalfa, radish. Mung and lentil, yeah, those are the five. Those are all very popular. And they they really taste amazing, right? When I was a little kid, you know, I tasted sprouts and not a fan. But then again, I wasn't a fan mm-hmm. of anything, including, you know, broccoli and Brussels sprouts and everything that I love now. Right, right. But I find sprouts to be completely delicious. And it, I mean, you can almost feel, you know, the life force of that food seeping into your cells after you eat it. It's a neat it's just, I love it. Yeah, I get you. When it's like fresh and it's from your own garden, you made it yourself and you put all your own love into the food. I feel like it actually makes a difference. You know, that's a, I've got a strong opinion about that too, right? We live in a society where we're so disconnected from our own food sources that sometimes right. I worry that some folks don't have an appreciation for what it takes to provide food that sustains us and keeps us alive and gardening and growing your own food, whether it's as simple as sprouts or microgreens, right? Is it's a, it sounds a little corny, but it's a deeply spiritual thing that reconnects you to the land that your ancestors were so connected to. They didn't give it a second thought, but modern society has become so disconnected from it. It's, it's a, it's a fun and a cool thing from front to back to grow and produce and prepare your own food. Yeah, no, you don't worry. You're speaking to the choir here. That's all about the spirituality. So you're good. It's not cheesy to us. We're like, yes, tell us more the connection to the earth. Um, so I see some other kits on here that I'd love to, um, learn more about that sound really interesting. So I'm, I'm in the miscellaneous kits section. Tell me about, the biblical bread making kit. You bet. There is a there is a scripture in the book of Ezekiel, and I want to say it's Ezekiel four nineteen. If memory serves, I cannot remember. I think okay. it's Ezekiel four chapter four verse nineteen, and it's a recipe right given to the prophet Ezekiel for making bread. And so it's a popular thing. You can, there's a company, uh, I think, I can't remember the name of the company, but they sell, they sell under the brand name Ezekiel Bread. 
or Ezekiel yes, 419 yeah. bread or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And they're and there's a lot of interpretations on that recipe, right? Because the recipe says, here's what you put in it, but it doesn't talk about what the ratios are, right? So you can do very heavy wheat and very light the other things. Like, you know, it, it recommends that you grind, you know, that you grind beans into the flour and other, other items that go in there. So we've got our interpretation of what goes into that biblical bread and the kit includes you know pretty much everything you need except for things like oil yeast and water and salt Mm -hmm. but it's got all of the the grain and it's it's not a flour right so it's not pre-ground it's it's all of the whole grains that you would you would grind yourself in a you know either a hand crank uh flour grinder or a lot of folks have electric flour grinders whatever the case may be and Mm -hmm. you can bake your own biblical bread based on that old testament recipe and my kids love it the the version the version that we have is a very dense very heavy bread and it it feels it feels i don't know the only way to say it is earthy it tastes delicious and it's a very thick dense bread so yeah that's that's what that's all about very cool all right well i love it i love everything on this website. Um, and tell me about some of these garden kits. You know what? I'm especially interested in the Mexican salsa kit. That sounds delicious. You've got peppers from hell kit, hot peppers, sweet peppers, <laughs> but tomato starter kit, salad starter kit. Tell me about the Mexican salsa. Cause I need to make that one next. Yeah. So those, those are, those are just, uh, I guess a, a curated assortment of seeds along with seed starting supplies. So you can start those seeds indoors, transplant them into your garden. And it's everything you would traditionally want or need for a a pico de gallo or a Mexican salsa. It's got the right types of tomatoes, the right types of onions, the right types of peppers. Uh, It's got cilantro and and other of the things that you would commonly find in a Mexican salsa kit. Or in the case of the peppers from Hell Kit, it's it's a selection of our super hot knock your block off, you know, 500,000 to a million plus Scoville scale peppers. Um, so yeah, they're, they're just, they're, they're basically garden starter kits with everything you need to do your seed starting indoors uh, for transplant into your, into your outdoor garden. Amazing. All right. Well, you're clearly so passionate about food and living foods and eating well. Why are you so passionate about this? And what is the final mission that you want to share with Food Heals Nation? You bet. Well, our, our, our mission as a company, True Leaf Market, right, is we want everyone to experience the joy of growing. And what's unstated on there is you're, you're growing to feed yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, the, and, and again, it goes back to the whole spirituality thing and the connection to the land that, that our ancestors again, they experienced it every day and and we're so disconnected from it. There's something so wonderful about planting a seed, taking care of it and watching it grow and watching it grow into something that sustains life. So that's, that's our mission. We want to spread kind of the gospel of growing your own, right? Everyone should experience the joy of growing their own food. Cause it's, again, it's so, it's such a neat, fun hobby and it doesn't, you know, the challenge is, well, you know, I don't have a backyard. I don't have a, I don't have a place I can garden. You can garden indoors on your kitchen countertop and get the same sense of fulfillment and satisfaction. And of course it's, 
delicious and, and super healthy. That's, that's our mission. We want everybody to grow. I love that mission so much. I'm sitting here while we're talking, adding things to my cart, some sprouting jars, the broccoli sprouting kit, the I added the the wheatgrass for pets. I mean, here we go. I'm so excited. I got to get that Mexican salsa as well. So uh, Food Heals Nation, it's all over at trueleafmarket.com. And Parker, where can anyone else find you, follow you, stalk you, all that good stuff? You can find us on all the popular socials. Just search True Leaf Market, T-R-U-E-L-E-A-F Market. Uh, three words, and you'll typically find us without without too much difficulty. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I learned a lot, and I'm so excited to get started planting in my own home and my own garden. So I appreciate you being here today. Very good. Thank you so much. It was certainly a pleasure. Nation. I truly hope you enjoyed that interview with Parker. I had a lot of fun and I've been shopping online ever since I did the interview. So make sure that you head on over to trueleafmarket.com. Use the discount code FOODHEALS10 and you can get $10 off your order of $50 or more. Again, it's all over at trueleafmarket.com. See you next time, Food Heals Nation. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately.